This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following podcast contains explicit language. If you love our country and love your children as much as I know that you do, stand and speak and vote your conscience, vote for candidates up and down the ticket who you trust to defend our freedom and to be faithful to the Constitution. His father was with Lee Harvey Oswald prior to Oswald's being shot. I guess I should go ahead and admit, yes, my dad killed JFK. He is secretly Elvis, and and Jimmy Hoffa is buried in his backyard. Nasty guy. Now I know why he doesn't have one endorsement. I am not in the habit of supporting people who attack my wife and attack my father. Hello and welcome to Trumpcast, the show about the man who buzzed Ted Cruz's outdoor rally yesterday with his plane, Donald Trump. I'm Jacob Weisberg, coming to you from the floor of the Quicken Arena in Cleveland, where Donald Trump just came out with his daughter Ivanka and said a few words making fun of the media to test the microphone for his speech tonight. So there's a technical term for the kind of convention Republicans are holding here in Cleveland. It's called a shit show. It's been chaotic disorganized, and not very good entertainment in general. In a minute, I'm going to talk to an old friend and one of my favorite writers, Brian Curtis of The Ringer, who's been watching with a gimlet eye for the last three days. But first, let's do the tweets. Good news is Melania's speech got more publicity than any in the history of politics, especially if you believe that all press is good press. The media is spending more time doing a forensic analysis of Melania's speech than the FBI spent on Hillary's emails. In November, I think the people of Ohio will remember that the Republicans picked Cleveland instead of going to another state. Jobs. President Obama just had a news conference, but he doesn't have a clue. Our country is a divided crime scene, and it will only get worse. Our country is totally divided, and our enemies are watching. We're not looking good, we're not looking smart, and we're not looking tough. We are trying to fight ISIS, and now our own people are killing our police. Our country is divided and out of control. The world is watching.
My guest today is Brian Curtis. He's the editor-at-large over at The Ringer, which is the latest venture from Bill Simmons. And he's been writing delightfully from Cleveland. Brian, thank you for joining me on Trumpcast. Thank you, Jake. In the middle of Trump world. (laughs) Can you still smell the stench of betrayal in the room? You know, it was an amazing night last night. I mean, I just want you to sort of describe it the way you did. I mean, tell the story of what happened during Ted Cruz's speech. Well, first of all, I think we have to set up what happened at the beginning of the night was that Laura Ingram came out and called out Ted Cruz from the podium, which in a normal GOP convention, the idea of a talk radio host calling out a sitting senator during her speech would have been extraordinary. And she demanded that Ted Cruz endorse Donald Trump that night. And then ended it with what looked, uh, just to be honest, a lot like a Nazi salute. <laughs> it really did. <laughs> it really did. And you could see it for, you didn't even need to see the TV, you could see it from the floor here. I mean, it was unbelievable. You know, and that's not a gesture people are unaware of. I mean, was she, <laughs> what kind of trolling was even going on there? I don't know. It's like, it's like she, she, she started to wave and her hands sort of locked up in the most unfortunate <laughs> possible, but she held it yeah. for like several seconds. But I think that kind of like, Everybody here was very well aware of the Cruz non-endorsement so far. Right. But I think that brought it out even more front and center and sort of set up Cruz in this terrible way. So anyway, Ted Cruz comes out to a thunderous ovation. Yeah. And, and he's, you know, the, the crowd, he's going on a long time giving a kind of standard, you know, super conservative speech, attacking right. Clinton, betraying America, blah, blah, blah. And the crowd seems with him. And then he gets to this line after talking for, what, about 20 minutes where he says on election day, vote your conscience a down ticket on the ballot. So right. basically telling people that what they should care about is senators and congressmen and governors <laughs> and state legislators, and they can do whatever the hell they want, yes. vote for Donald Trump or not. This is something like candidates who believe in freedom you know, or something like that. It's like incredibly yeah. vague. And then he does the most curious thing, which is he stops. Now, this is the moment the whole crowd realizes the endorsement is really not coming. Yeah. Yeah. And instead of just plowing ahead in his, with his speech, he stops where, and I looked at the video, 40 seconds. And allows the crowd to start saying, endorse Trump, endorse Trump, endorse Trump, and work themselves in this incredible frenzy. And Cruz is sort of just standing there at the podium smiling, you know, as if he's sort of weirdly lapping up the reaction or he just realizes it's inevitable. So he's just going with it. What do you think? I mean, I think the standard interpretation I've heard so far is that he's creating videotape for 2020. Right. You know, he wants to be the guy who defied Trump, who stood up to Trump, who braved the, you know, the room yelling at him because he knew this was bad news for the Republican Party. I think that's right. They found him yesterday. He, he held a rally yesterday, which is also fairly unusual right, right. At, a, at the RNC, but he was After quoting... After the nominee's already been right. chosen. Yeah. And he's quoting lines from the movie Patton, you know, like, <laughs> I'll be on the right side someday when, yeah. they, when, the, when the counting's done, I'll be on the right side. And that, that should have been a big tip off. Apparently gave the speech to the Trump people at 630, so they knew what was coming. Right. But I think you're right. He was creating this sort of video moment that he's a man of conscience. Ted, Ted Cruz does nothing if not tell us repeatedly <laughs> that he is a man of conscience, right? And yes, and now he has this video, and he's sort of being bathed in booze, which is fairly, <laughs> again, unprecedented for this kind of convention. And then Donald Trump walks in. Yes. Like just that while he's t- Ted Cruz is still trying to finish his speech, being booed, and Donald Trump, there's, there's this combination of applause for Trump and booing for Ted Cruz, and Donald Trump is shouting <laughs> to the gallery, and it was just, it was like, it was an amazing moment. I mean, it f- actually felt like genuine, spontaneous chaos at the convention. Totally. I thought there was a protest or something, because everybody just sort of looked behind us, right? Yeah. They started looking at the VIP section, and you thought, oh my gosh, what's happening? Yeah. And it was Trump coming out. Oh, and by the way, the power had gone out. <laughs> yeah, the right. Jumbotron went dead. <laughs> yes. the 
giant, the giant Twitter feed that's been running around, the, all these giant electronic displays start flickering and then go dead, which is kind of a little frightening because you don't know, has it been hacked or is there an attack going on or, you know, is it just the generators overloaded? Right. And it's almost like I imagine that it was sort of wired to Trump's brain, right? And every time he's blinking in anger at Cruz's speech, you know, the power's going out and flashing <laughs> back on and then eventually just goes dead altogether. But yeah, Trump, Trump knew that he wasn't going to be, that he was going to be effectively humiliated by Cruz at right. his own convention. And yet he walks out at the moment of truth so that he is facing Cruz. What are we looking at here? 150 feet away, 100 feet away when it happens. It was the most strangest thing I've ever seen. So who's trolling who? I mean, if, you know, Cruz thought he's, <laughs> oh you know, he's creating some enduring moments for his future political career. You know, did Donald Trump, was he sort of, I mean, he, as you say, he knew Cruz was going to make this speech with the non-endorsement. Did he stage a thing? And, you know, by the way, he's, there are these people they call whips who are these sort of gorillas in yellow hats who kind of control the state delegations. And clearly the Trump whips were whipping up the booing for Ted Cruz. Right. So in a lot of ways, that what Cruz experienced was a setup by Trump. I think that's right. And the Texans were the only ones that were cheering Cruz and trying to kind of go overcome the boos yeah. at one point. The trolling question is a really interesting one. Yeah. Because clearly the whole, the whole appeal of Trump throughout the campaign has been, I'm not those people, right? But we're now narrowing the pie where he's saying, I'm not... Ted Cruz conservatives, right? <laughs> Which are people he clearly needs to win the election. If nothing else, right, he needs lots and lots, if not every single Ted Cruz voter <laughs> to win the election, right? There's literally no calculus. I mean, it's hard. It, it's, you know, it's sort of hard to tell who ultimately is getting the better and the worse of this, but I guess at the end of the day, it's like the Iran-Iraq war, right? You want it to go on as long as possible with maximum casualties on both oh, sides. Oh, for our entertainment yeah. and, and, and journalism, <laughs> journalistic purposes and liberal... Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's it's fabulous. I mentioned the piece today. You know, we always hunger for this brokered convention nonsense where it never happens. But this is kind of it, right? In the sense that around every corner, there's there's magic, magical mysteries, right? <laughs> Who knows what could happen next? Well, it's your line. We didn't get a brokered convention. We got a broken convention, <laughs> yeah, right. which is what it feels like being here. Um, what have been a few of your other favorite moments? I mean, you've been oh. kind of watching all the, all the weirdness. The moment last night when the, the announcer over the PA here says, ladies and gentlemen, the vice president president and you kind of perk up of the Eric Trump Foundation. <laughs> well, it's not Cheney or Quayle. It's a vice president of this small charitable foundation in New York, which even Donald Trump apparently does not donate to. <laughs> the woman who, uh, I believe she was a head of a women entrepreneurs for Trump group last night who came out and her opening line was, I always dreamed of being a circus performer. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and she weirdly, but I failed. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a Republican politician. She weirdly so. came back to the circus motif later in her speech. Scott Baio, of course, I think. Antonio Sabato Jr. Uh, that wonderful guy, Andy Wist, who no one could figure out who he was, turned out to be a small businessman from New York who came out two nights ago. And then last night, Laura Ingram lights up the crowd, right? That was a pretty yeah. good red Barn meat. burner of a speech, yeah. I mean, it was more CPAC, somebody said on Twitter, than RNC, but okay, yeah. better, better than nothing. And then they send out this guy, and I don't remember his name. He was a businessman. He was wearing like dark glasses, looked like <laughs> a loan shark. Kind of came out, and the whole room just goes dead because he's sort of grumbling his speech, and, and everybody's like, "Who is this? What is this?" You know, and yeah. all the and all the energy's drained out of the room. It's really funny. I mean, an extraordinary number of the speakers are either related to Donald Trump <laughs> or work for Donald Trump or work for pyramid scheme businesses that are like <laughs> Trump-like businesses. Yes. But Eric Trump, there was a weird thing there, too, that you, you picked up on. He was, he was calling out the names of his family, and he intentionally left off the little brother 
who is the son of Melania. Yeah. yeah. And Did the, we know about that family feud? Well, is that, the, well, the funny thing is that it was on the prompter. We yeah. could see it on the teleprompter. Right. So he just didn't say it. Yeah. So whether it was an honest mistake or some, I mean, we're talking about three different wives of, uh, three different wives of Donald Trump, right? Air from number one, yeah. Baron from number three, and Tiffany, who we heard from Tuesday night from number from two. From Marla Maples, yeah. <laughs> right. So perhaps just confusion on getting everybody in. I don't know. Yeah, it's are you my daddy, but... Um, <laughs> But it is, you know, it sometimes does happen in families that the old heirs don't like the uh, potential rivals born from a younger mother. I mean, the the sort of hard to resist conclusion there is that there is uh, there's some tension in the Trump family. Yeah, and especially with Melania, you know, sort of tearing up her own speech <laughs> in-house ghostwriter who then, you know, pulls all this plagiarized copy into it. Right. We didn't even mention that as a favorite moment. Think of that. <laughs> the the, 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 the quote-unquote future first lady of the United States plagiarizes her speech, and that doesn't even make, like, the top of your mind, top five hilarious moments of the convention. I mean, it's incredible. And the, and the plagiarist was apparently a ballerina ghostwriter. <laughs> yeah, right. The plagiarizing ballerina. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So, night one, plagiarism. Yes. Night two, witch burning. Um, mm-hmm. Night three, trolling with Ted Cruz. Yeah. What's night four going to be about? Well... Donald Trump is right when he when he sits and watches this convention and thinks I'm better than all these people because right? <laughs> he is right. He's more like we want to see. I don't know about you, but I have been waiting for four days to see Donald Trump speak. Um, I think the most fascinating thing is whether he addresses the Cruz thing in his speech at all, and, I, and you know whether it's indirectly as Newt Gingrich sort of tried to clumsily clean it up last night and just sort of failed. He kind of yeah, sort that of didn't weirdly work. insisted that Cruz had in fact endorsed right. Donald Trump. He didn't actually mean it when he said <laughs> vote your conscience and don't vote for Donald Trump. But uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Certainly, Ivanka uh, is tonight, which is fascinating. But I think it's just. A, First of all, will this be the longest speech in convention history for Trump? My eyes will also be on the teleprompter to see how many deviations there were. Yeah. Rudy Giuliani, as far as I could tell, had about 60% of his speech was ad-libbed the other night, especially all the scary parts. Uh, Trump could do that. I guess that those, are my, those are my top couple of things tonight. I'm, I'm predicting good behavior. I think, I think Trump is, is kind of, a, Ivanka in particular, I think has got him a little bit under control. His titter, Twitter feed has been much tamer, and I think he'll uh, give a sedate speech for him tonight, and he'll read it more or less as is. But we'll yeah. know in a couple hours whether I'm completely wrong or not. Barry Bennett, who's one of Trump's advisors, but sort of a presence around this uh, convention, told me he was only going to attack Hillary for 20 or 30 minutes tonight. <laughs> I'm not sure if Barry was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Well, get a comfortable seat. There you go. All right. Brian Curtis is editor-at-large for The Ringer. Brian, it was great having you on the show. Thanks so much. Thanks, Jake. Trumpcast is produced by Jason DeLeon with an assist from Ayanna Morali in Cleveland. Steve Lichtai is our executive producer. Andy Bowers is our chief content officer. And special thanks, as always, to John D. Domenico, our voice of Donald Trump. I'm Jacob Weisberg. Thanks for listening to Trumpcast. Oh, say the name. Say it's Panoply. Panoply. Okay. Yeah. Panoply. Trumpet, please.